She looks down at her angel Sleeping in his bed She gently kneels beside him And then she bows her head Just like other mothers Who lived so long ago She brings her child to
Jesus hears another child to hold. Jesus hears another child. Welcome to service this morning at First Church. So glad everybody's here. Hope you uh, checked your ice skates at the door. <laughs> Pretty nasty out there this morning. So got a few uh, announcements this morning before we get started with our worship service. Uh, we have baptism this morning, so celebrating baptism. Uh, the children's Christmas program is today after the morning service. So in between, there will be refreshments in the heritage room uh, from the junior and senior high youth. Our rose on the altar this morning is in honor of Gordon and Jean Coffin's uh, 51st wedding anniversary. Also flowers here in front of the church from the funeral of Lois Haberkamp. We ask that you keep uh, their family in your prayers. The congregational and the annual meetings in January have uh, been delayed one week due to the early uh, dates and how they fall in the month. And uh, to get everything prepared, to move those meetings back one week. The blue jug is back here on the steps. Uh, that is to help with the Tennessee fire relief that the church is doing. And uh, any money received uh, we'll take after uh, Christmas and do some after Christmas shopping when we can get some really good uh, good deals. All You can see the items that are needed and when the drop-off times and stuff are. And uh, any help that we can give those people down there, I'm sure, would be more than appreciated. Uh, there will be service next Sunday on Christmas morning, 9 o'clock as usual. And uh, they're launching something new for our congregation and our radio listeners. Beginning this week, they're introducing Ask the Pastor phone number. You can call or text uh, the number in the bulletin, 419-405-3265, and leave a message. Pastor Joel will answer your questions regarding his sermon or preaching. He may respond directly or answer questions on his blog or via a Facebook live post. Again, the number is 419-405-3265. And with that, I'll ask you all to stand and we'll have our call to worship. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fail. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. We remain standing and sing hymn number 132, Angels We Have Heard on High.
be seated. Now we'll have uh, Dan and Brittany Wervel's family come light the Advent candle. gather around the Advent wreath today, we rejoice that Christmas is a time of prayer and of open hearts when we sing songs of joy. Christmas is a time of worship, the moment when the busiest of us pause and wander. Christmas happens when God comes to us in love through Jesus Christ and fills us with love for all people. Our first scripture reading comes from John three sixteen through 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We light this candle to proclaim the coming of the light of God into the world. With the coming of this light there is love. Such great love helps us to love God and one another. second scripture is from John 13, verses 34 through 35. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Please pray with me. O God, we thank you that Jesus showed your love for every person, babies and children, old people and young, sick people and those who were strong, rich people and those who were poor. Come to us in this Advent season and give us love in our hearts for all people. Amen. At this time, I'd like to invite uh, the family of Marcel and Micah Brunicardi up. Uh, They're the sons of Elio and Jamie Brunicardi. Hear these words of Jesus, an invitation and a promise offered to all. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. It's in obedience to this command the church baptizes believers and their children. In Acts 2, 38-39, Peter says this, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you, for your children, and all, for all who are far away, everyone in whom the Lord calls. Excuse me, everyone whom the Lord God calls to him. So, Jamie and Elio, uh, and re- having heard God's promises to us in Christ, do you desire that your children be baptized? Praise God. Uh, with that in mind, uh, we ask that you uh, respond to these questions uh, as, 
as children, it's hard for them to make the commitment themselves. And so today we're, we're here to, to hear your commitment, to raise them in the faith and to, uh, to encourage them to grow in the Lord just as you have made that commitment yourself. And so I ask you to respond to these questions. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of evil that rebel against God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ? And do you intend to be Christ's faithful disciple, trusting his promise, obeying his word, honoring his church, and showing love, showing his love as long as you live? If so, respond saying, yes, God helping me. And will you devote yourself to the church's teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers? If so, respond by saying, I will with God's help. Praise God. And as a church, we are you know, welcoming these children into, uh, the, the, into the church's family. And so uh, as a statement of our faith together, let's, let's re- respond by reading the Apostles' Creed together. The words are printed in your bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, is seated at the right hand of the Father, and will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Universal Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. We thank you, O God, for our baptism into Christ's death and resurrection. In the beginning, your spirit moved over the waters. In the time of Noah, you destroyed evil in the water of the flood. And by your saving ark, you gave a new beginning. In the night of trouble, you led Israel through the sea. In the water of the Jordan, our Lord was baptized. In the baptism of Christ's death and resurrection, you have set us free from sin and death. And open up the way to eternal life. May Christ, who sank deep into death and was raised the Lord of life, keep us and our little ones in the grip of his hand. And may your spirit separate us from the sin and mark us with a faith that can stand the light of day and endure the dark of night. To you be all honor and glory, dominion and power, now and forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And again, as a, as a statement of, of your faith to raise Marcel and Micah in, in the Lord, um, I ask you to make this vow. Since you've presented your children for baptism, we ask you the following questions before God and his people. I'll ask you all these at once, and I'll ask you to respond by saying, we do, with God helping us. Do you promise to instruct Marcel and Micah by word and example, with the help of the Christian community, in the truth of God's word, and in the way of salvation through Jesus Christ? Do you promise to pray for them and teach them to pray? Do you promise to nurture them within the body of believers as citizens of Christ's kingdom? Praise God. And also, as a baptism is a public statement, and so um, this is more than just the family standing up here and making this commitment, but, but you as family and friends and as the Church of Christ, we ask you to make a commitment as well. And so the response uh, is printed in your bulletin. I ask you as a congregation to respond to this as well. Brothers and sisters, as you receive Marcel and Micah into Christ's church, I charge you to nurture and love them and to assist them to be Christ's faithful disciples. Joy, thanksgiving, now 
thank you. Thank you for that. Well, now here's the exciting part. Having heard your, uh, your statement of faith and your commitment to raise your children in the Lord, I now have the privilege of, of baptizing your children. And so, Marcel, I ask you to step forward. Marcel, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And Micah, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the free gift of salvation that is made available through his death and resurrection. Thank you for the symbol of baptism, which reminds us that you wash away our sins and give us new life if we put our trust in you. We pray for Marcel and Micah. Bless and strengthen them daily with the gift of your Holy Spirit. Unfold to him the riches of your love. Deepen their faith. Keep them from the power of evil. And enable them to live a holy and blameless life until your kingdom comes. Amen. And I also would like to pray for uh, the parents as well. Can I borrow that? Sure. The page is missing from my binder. <laughs> oh. We pray, Lord, that you look for kindness in Elio and Jamie. Let their love always let them always rejoice in the gift you've given them. Grant them the presence of your Holy Spirit that they may bring up Marcel and Micah to know you, love you, and serve you and their neighbor through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. And let's welcome them and celebrate this by, by welcoming them to Christ Church. Two gifts here for you. Uh, we have two new Bibles for your children, and then also here are the certificates of baptism as well. So I'll pass these off to you, and you can keep those. Thank you so much. Yep. At this time, I want to invite uh, the children to come forward for a children's chat, and as they're coming forward, uh, take a few moments and, and greet your neighbor. <laughs> came you know we have a children's chat today where I need all your help and whenever I was thinking about this I thought what if the weather is so bad I don't have any helpers how am I going to do this but you know what God is great you are all here and we can start so what do I have here what is this a barn a stable right so we're going to start right here Okay, now we need some things to start out with. We need a palm tree. Kyle, good job. We're going to put that here. 
We, there was straw in the stable where baby Jesus was born. Good. Whoops. Hold still, sweetheart. We got caught. All right. There was a manger there, there. There's our manger. Okay. So our Christmas story starts when an angel appeared to Mary. Thank you for one angel. Hold on to the other angel. So the angel appeared to Mary, and what did she tell Mary? What did she tell Mary? What was she going to have? A baby. And what was she supposed to name that baby? Jesus. Right. She was supposed to name him Jesus. And you know what? An angel appeared to Joseph and told him the same thing. Well, soon it was time for them to go to the little town of Bethlehem because they needed to have a census. So Mary was riding on a donkey. Who's got the donkey, Joseph? Can I have the donkey? Right. And here's Mary. And who else was with her? Who was with Mary? Joseph. Joseph. Okay. Yep. John's got Joseph. Good job. Okay. And that night, what happened? What happened that night when they were in the manger, when they got to Bethlehem? Who was born? Jesus. Baby Jesus was born. Who has baby Jesus? Audrey has baby Jesus, so we're going to put him in the manger. And the angels appeared to who? Who did the angels appear to in the fields? The shepherds. So I have another angel out there somewhere. Who has the other angel? Reagan has the other angel. And what about my shepherds? And I think I have another shepherd out there. What were the shepherds? What were the shepherds? taking care of sheep josephine do you have a shepherd can i have your shepherd awesome good job all right so the shepherds came to see baby jesus and they brought their sheep along and what was shining up in the sky a star was shining up in the sky you're right and who saw that star The kings did. You're right. How many kings were there? Three. Three. One, two, three. And what did they bring, baby Jesus? What kind of gifts? Gold. What else? Nope. What else did they bring? A pot of what? A pot of gold. Yep. Myrrh. And what's the other one? Frankincense. Good. And what were they riding on? A camel. What is frankincense? It's an oil. Okay. And it was an expensive oil at that time. And so it was very important. Okay. And it showed them that they brought Jesus these gifts because they knew he was somebody very important, very special. Okay. So... As we are getting ready for Christmas next Sunday, we need to keep our focus right here because this is what Christmas is all about right here, about baby Jesus being born in a manger with the animals all around him, okay? So this week, as you get busy doing all kinds of stuff, think about baby Jesus and him being born for each one of us.
because he loves us so much. Okay? All right, let's say a real quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for these children and that Jesus came on Christmas morning for each one of us to show us how much he loves us and to die on the cross for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Have a great week, everyone. Please keep in mind the family and friends of Sergeant First Class Alan E. Brown, 46, from Tacoma Park, Maryland, who succumbed to wounds received about a month ago at Bagram Air Force Base in Afghanistan. Let's pray together. Father, uh, we're reminded um, this, this Christmas season about the love that you have for each one of us, uh, the love that you displayed to us through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead that proved that your love is greater than our sin, greater than, than even death itself. Um, and we are, are people that need to hold on to that promise and be reminded of that especially when life uh, does not go the way that we expect it to or want it to, when we're reminded of the, the terrible cost of war and the suffering that that um, brings about for, for soldiers and their families. We pray that they would be able to experience your love and, and be able to put their hope and their trust in that. We're reminded of it, Lord, when we look at our, our prayer list and see the names that are, that are there um, who are in need of healing, uh, some names that have been there for quite some time, Lord, um, and some new names that have shown up this week. Uh, we are reminded, Lord, of their um, of their hardships, and, and I pray that you would remind them of the love that you have for them as well, love that goes beyond anything that they may face in this life, but is greater than, than all things. Uh, it's the love that you've shown us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to, to remember that. Help us to hold on to that when life goes bad, and also, Lord, when life goes well, help us to always be grounded in the truth of your love and what that means for each one of us, that you loved this world so much that you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Thank you for that promise that you've made in your word through Jesus Christ. And I pray, Lord, that you would meet the needs of those uh, who are hurting at this time of year, um, especially as the holidays bring up emotions of, of, uh, in dealing with, with the loss of loved ones who may not be around this time of year. Uh, and we're reminded of that. Uh, help us to, to always trust in your love and help us to find strength and peace and comfort in our relationship with you. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I again invite those who are uh, helping with the offering this morning to come forward, uh, and I invite you to enjoy the musical ministry of the choir at this time.
Just want to just take a quick moment and thank you all for joining us today. Uh, I know the weather out there was not uh, ideal, I guess you can say, um, and and appreciate you being here. There's a lot going on today, so we were really, you know, struggling about what to do, and I think that God provided, and, and, and the roads weren't nearly as bad this morning as they were yesterday, and so we're very thankful for that and thankful for, for those of you who were able to be here, and, and, and of course, after this service, um, there'll be the children's Sunday school program as well, and we're very excited about that. So thank you for joining us, and for those of you who are listening in on the radio, uh, whether whether that's a normal thing for you or, or you didn't venture out onto the icy roads this morning, uh, we're glad to have you listening in as well. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer before we look at his word together. Father, thank you for this day. Uh, again, we're just so grateful for your mercies and, and the love that you've shown us through Jesus Christ. Help us now to, to focus on that. Help us to uh, maybe look at, at your love for us in a, from a different perspective than we maybe have before. And help us to then live that out the best that we can uh, by the power of your spirit. I pray you give, up, give me words to speak and open up all of our hearts and minds to what you have, what you have to say to us today. It's in Christ we pray. Amen. The, the first scripture passage that you heard read during the Advent candle lighting uh, was probably a little familiar to you, I'd imagine. John 3.16 is, is one of the most uh, quoted, one of the most Googled uh, scripture passages, probably from the entire Bible. Um, you see it in football games behind the goalposts, people holding up signs. And, and in fact, it becomes so familiar to us. It's become such a, a common verse. I think, in a sense, it's kind of lost some of its, its meaning, some of its impact. 
uh, because we hear it so often, because it's so familiar. Many of us, from our, whether it's from Sunday school days or VBS or, or being in church for a long time, we can just simply quote the passage from heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, it's such a familiar passage to so many of us. And, and as we think about God's love today and how um, and what that means for us and especially what that means for us at Christmas time, I want to take a moment and just kind of slow down and, and think about that verse um, in a more in-depth way, more than just quoting it, more than just seeing it as a sign on a sporting event. But really take a look at that and what that means for us as, as his children, as his followers, and for the world today. Um, because if, you, if we really take the time to think about what John 3:16 and 17 are teaching us, it's pretty amazing stuff that God loved the world so much that he, he did something about it. He took action and, and showed us that love uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. And so, uh, so I want to take a look at that and then, of course, what that means for us as his, as his children, as, his, as part of his kingdom, what that means for us as well. So let's first look at John 3, 16 and 17. Uh, and I want to take a look at just a few, few different words here that um, may help us to understand this better. First of all, it says that God loved the world. Um, first of all, that in itself is just an amazing thing because of uh, we know, especially as we look at the story of God's people from Genesis through the Old Testament, uh, we haven't done such a good job of loving him back, have we? You know, we have sin in our lives. We, we, we are constantly choosing to disobey or rebel against God. You know, I've talked over the last several weeks about the sin that separates us from him, the, the sin that has um, come between us and our relationship with God. And that's it's a reality for us that all of us um, are prone to is that sin, the, the doing things that dishonor God and come between us and our relationship with him. And so, you know, from God's perspective, he could have done he could have gone about this whole thing in, in several different ways, right? He could have just left us be. He could have just left us to our own devices, right? When Adam and Eve rebelled in the garden, when they when they chose to to follow their own desires and their own path instead of following God and what he desired for them, he could have just left them as is. Right? God was in his within his rights, within his own prerogative to do that. Right? We, we chose to rebel against him because of Adam and Eve's sin. We're all in a state of sin and rebellion. And he could have just said, all right, I'm done with you, <laughs> and left us to be as is. But he didn't. He chose to love us instead. And he shows us that love, as we'll see through Jesus Christ. And so when God sent Jesus, his motivation was love. That was the, the reason behind his actions. And it's important for us to remember that, too, because because uh, John 3.17 says that Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. And we often forget that. We often think of, of God and, and maybe as this, you know, um, big bad bookkeeper, right? He's keeping track of, of, of all of our wrongs and our sins and, and, and somebody needed to pay for it. And so kind of out of his anger, out of his, out of his uh, vengefulness, right, he sends Jesus to die to pay for those sins. Many of us have a perspective of God like that. That God is this vengeful God that somebody needed to pay the price and so Jesus did it. But it says here that that wasn't God's motivation at all. God's motivation was his love for us. And that is a very different view of God than, than thinking of God as this bookkeeper that's keeping track of our rights and our wrongs. Um, it's, it's, of course our sin has separated us from God. Of course those things have, have um, offended him. 
but he didn't but he allowed his love to motivate his actions. I hope that I hope that that difference makes sense cuz cuz if you think about it that that makes all the difference in the world that God is a loving, caring, compassionate God who went out of his way to express his love towards us even when we didn't deserve it. Even when our sin had separated us from God, he he still went out of his way to to show his love to us through Jesus Christ. Paul picks up on the importance of love in 1 Corinthians 13. Very another very familiar passage to so many of us. But Paul says in beginning in verse 1 about the importance of love in our lives and love is a motivating factor for all that we do. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. See, the interesting thing about this passage is all those things are good things. Right? Having, having a strong faith, being able to prophesy, in other words, being able to serve God in ministry, um, being able to give away all of our have, faith that can move mountains, uh, endure hardships so that, so they can boast. All those things are good things. God often calls us to do those very things. But if we're not doing it out of love, it means nothing. It's just a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. I don't know how many of you parents have ever bought a drum set for a young child. You know what a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal sounds like, right? And it's not good. (laughs) But that's what our lives are like without love. That's what our lives are like if our motivating factor is not love. And so God models that for us himself by, by allowing love to be his motivation, it's his love that, that caused him, that, that compelled him to send Christ in order to save us. And it says that he loved the world, which is all of humanity. Right? We often think that God only loves certain people at certain times and that do certain things to earn his love. But it says here pretty clear that God loved the world, the whole world, all of it. And that's such an important thing to remember because we often get in our own little cliques and our own little uh, groups and we think that only God loves us because we have somehow earned it. You know, we've, we act a certain way and we do a certain, uh, we come to church every Sunday, right? We have our attendance sheet marked off and all this stuff. Those are all good things, again. But, but God, it says here, loved the whole world. He didn't send Jesus just to die for a few select people. He didn't send Jesus to die on the cross just for just for the good people. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for everyone. His love is for all people. And yet, you know, we it says, as we'll see as we go along in this verse, that we need to respond to that love. We need to do something about it ourselves. But yet that his death on the cross is for all people. And it was for a sinful people. Right? He came to save and not condemn. And it was for... Uh, as sinful people, because that, and that's good news because I know I'm not perfect. I know I've made mistakes and I do things that often don't line up with what God desires in my life. And so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blessing. It's a reassurance that I don't have to be perfect, that God sent his son Jesus to die for me as a sinful person. Mark 2.17, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. See, we need to be reminded of that, that the, that the church 
is not a museum for saints, but it's a hospital for sinners. We all have fallen short of God's glory, Romans 3 says. And so, and it's for that very reason that Christ came and died for us. And so we need to stop pretending that we're perfect people. We need to stop pretending that God, um, excuse me, that we earn God's love. But see here in John 3.16 that it's out of his love for us, out of his love for his creation, out of his love for this world that he sent Jesus to die. Romans 5.6-8, Paul states this another way. He says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, we didn't do anything to earn it. We didn't do anything in order for God to show his love for us. It was out of his love for us that while we were still sinners, while we were still lost, while there was nothing that we could do to possibly earn it, he died for us. What a blessing. What a, what a, what good news is that? Because, because I know for myself, I can't earn it. But God shows his love for me and for you in spite of our sinfulness. John 3.16 also says that God gave his only son. Love is an action. It was, it wasn't just a feeling that God had. God didn't just feel compassionate for the lost. God didn't just feel compassionate for his, his creation who was lost in sin. God did something about it. He, it says he gave his only son. You know, it was an action. His love led him to do something about it. And it was an action. Faith without works is dead. James 2, 14 through 19 talks about how, how if we claim to have faith, but we don't do anything about it, it's worthless. You know, be warm, be well fed, but we don't help out that person. We're not doing them any good. And I think love is the same way. If we claim to love, if we claim to be, um, as we'll see later on, God commands us to love one another. God commands us to love as he loved us. And if we claim to be Christians, if we claim to be loving other people the way that God wants us to, but we're not putting it into action, it doesn't really mean much, does it? It doesn't really amount to anything if we're not willing to, to put our actions where our words are. And God demonstrated that for us in himself. He didn't just say he loved his creation and then sat up in heaven and did nothing about it. He came in the person of Jesus Christ. God himself came to this world in the form of a little infant baby and grew and lived the life that we couldn't. He died on the cross to pay the price that we couldn't pay. And he was raised again from the dead in order to, to prove that, that he is, his love was stronger than the grave and his love was stronger than the sin that separated us from Christ. Or, excuse me, separated us from the, from the Father. His love motivated him to give of himself. It was self-giving. We often think of love in, in very selfish terms. I'll love you if you do something in return. Right? I'll love you if you, if, if you somehow give something back to me. But if not, I'm out of here. Right? We, we often fall into that trap. We see divorce rates just skyrocketing in this country because we have this skewed version of love that it's somehow it's a give and take. You, you do something for me and then I will love you in return. But the love that God demonstrates for us in Christ is self-giving. He died for us without expecting us to earn it on our behalf. 
God didn't say, if you just straighten yourself out, if you just get rid of the sin in your life, then, I'll, then I will pay the price for you. God didn't expect us to come part way and then he would then return the favor. It says that God gave his one only son for a lost world out of his love for us. The one who loves another, the one who truly loves another person is willing to give of themselves for that other person. They're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to give out of their own self without expecting anything in return. Love costs us something. In fact, it costs Jesus his very life. And so many of us never return that favor. God simply asks that we respond to him by believing in him, by trusting in him. We don't have to earn our salvation. We don't have to earn it for ourselves, but he simply asks that we respond. And yet so many of us choose not to. But yet he still died for them anyways. Right? He still died on the cross for them, for the entire world, it says. He gave of himself. John 3.16 goes on to say that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And this belief that they're talking about here, it's a, it's a trust. It's faith in the Lord. It's more than just knowing a Bible verse in your head, but it's actually trusting in it and, and living it out in your own life. Love demands a response. You know, if I were to just say that I loved Allie, but then never showed it or demonstrated it or expressed it or, or, or did anything about it, that wouldn't really be true love. Like I said, love, love is an action. Love, love demands some sort of, of, of sacrifice and self-giving. But it also demands a response, too. If Allie were to, to go out of her way to, to express her love towards me, you know, she makes a wonderful, my favorite meal, or, you know, does something, goes out of her way, buys me a nice present, and I don't ever respond to it, then she's not going to feel the love that I have for her. Does that make sense? You know, we need to respond to that love. I would not be a good husband. I would not be a good, um, you know, I would not be a good husband to her. I would not be a good father to Josephine if I didn't respond to their expressions of love towards me. And so, so in the same way, God has shown us his love. He has shown us this great love through Jesus Christ. And we need to respond to it. We need to do something about it. Our, ourselves. It, love demands a response. We either accept the love that God has shown us through Jesus or we reject it and we go on with our life as usual. But the one thing we cannot do is ignore it. You know, once you've heard about what God has done for us, we, we, there's nothing we can do to, to ignore it. We need to respond in some way. And I pray that we respond faithfully. We respond by putting our trust and, and responding positively to the love that God has shown us through Jesus Christ. But yet some of us choose not to. We respond negatively by ignoring it. Or, or, excuse me, by rejecting it and going on with life as usual. But we can't, we can't just ignore it. We can't just go on um, as if nothing had happened. We need to respond to the love that God has shown us by, by putting our faith in Him. By placing our trust in Christ, we're accepting His love, which includes His forgiveness, which includes the grace and the mercy that He desires to show us. It means, once again, being in a relationship with Him like we were intended to be in the first place. That's what it means to to respond to the love that he's shown us. And it's eternal life. The thing about eternal life, it's not something we have to wait for. It's not something that one day, you know, when this life is over, I'll be able to truly experience eternal life. Eternal life begins the moment that you respond to the love that God has shown us. It begins the moment you receive Christ and put your trust in him. 
John 10.10, Jesus told his disciples, The thief comes to kill, excuse me, steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, and that full life begins now. It begins when we respond to Christ and live a life in the power of his Holy Spirit and and live the life that, that he desires for us to live. It's not always easy, right? But it's gonna, but it's the life that God desires for us. We don't have to wait for eternity for, for, to be in heaven in order to experience that. It begins now as we put our trust in Him. And so we get this, I think as we look closer to John 3, 16 and 17, we see this beautiful picture of what God's love for us really means. And it's a, and it's an expression that we see, especially at Christmas time, right? We're celebrating the very birth of, of Christ, the very fulfillment of this passage, that God so loved his world that he gave his only son, right? And that's what we're celebrating this time of year. Christmas is a reminder of that love that God has for us. But it's also a reminder of, of our responsibility then to show that love to others. See, love doesn't just stop with God. You know, his love for us is, is, is what motivates us and helps us to then love others. In Matthew chapter 22, we get this scene of um, the the tax collector. Excuse me, the the religious leaders were trying to trick Jesus. They often would ask him questions in order to try to to get him in a corner so he would say something that they could use against him. And so this one day, these these religious leaders were asking Jesus all these questions, and one of them uh, asked him this: Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they were kind of lining up one after the other, asking Jesus these questions. The Pharisees then got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with these, this question: Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Right? Jesus could have picked from a who knows how many of them. Six hundred and thirteen, some scholars say, different laws that are found in the Old Testament. Jesus could have picked any one of them. And, and what they were trying to do is they were trying to get him to say one, and then they could use that against them and say, how could you say that's the greatest when you have all these other ones that you have to follow? But Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul all your, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, it's... Jesus is basically summing up the law. He's not giving, and especially our, 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 those that we don't know yet, and even our enemies. God calls us to love them as well. In fact, John 13, 34, and 35, the other passage that you heard read this morning, Jesus is again speaking to his disciples, and he, he says, I'm giving them, an, he's giving them a new command, and it's that they are to love one another as I have loved you. Jesus is really kind of upping the ante there. He's not saying just love other people as yourself. He's saying love them as I have loved you. That self-sacrificing love that God showed us through Jesus Christ. He expects us to then show that to others. How can we possibly love others like God loves us? How can we possibly live up to that sort of expectation? Well, I think the best way to describe it, the best image that I can think of is, is, a, is a multi-tiered fountain. You guys can probably all envision one of those in your mind. Um, I told the spiritual council the other night, if it helps, think of a fondue fountain. I know that helps me. Um, see the chocolate overflowing there. Uh, but that top tier of that fountain is our relationship with God. 
And when, when we have a, a solid relationship with God, when we're growing in Him, when, we're, when, we're, when we put our trust in Him, we're allowing His love to be poured in our lives, it's like that top tier of the fountain then overflows. And it's able to pour down into the other areas of our life. It then is able to fill up our, our family tier, our job tier, our friends tier, all these other different relationships and aspects of our life. Our relationship with God should overflow into those other areas. When we don't allow those when we don't allow our relationship with God to grow, when we don't um, experience his own love in our life, that top tier dries up and it affects all the other ones below it. But if we allow God's love to be poured in our lives, if we allow that to take place, then, then we'll be able to then express that kind of love to others. And in fact, John 13 says that others will be able to know that we are Christ's disciples. We'll be able to, they'll, the world will be able to tell that we are truly following Christ if we love one another. Because that love that God has shown us through Jesus will then overflow into the life, into other aspects of our life. In closing, I just want to read one other passage to you. And I think this, it's, it's actually from a letter that the Apostle John wrote uh, later in his life, talking about the love of God and how it affects and impacts our love for others. 1 John chapter 4. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us his spirit and we have been seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God and yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love our brother and sister whom they have, have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. How are you loving other people? How are you allowing God's love to impact your life in a way that that overflows into the lives of others? I pray that as we celebrate Christmas this year, you'd be able to find ways, find practical ways to, to show and express that love of God to others. And if you have not received that love of God, if you've not responded to God's love in your own life, I pray that you'll take the time to do that as well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your love towards us, a love that, it, that has changed everything, uh, a love that you expressed in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, coming to this earth and dying on the cross for our sins. I pray that we would be able to respond to that love And live it out, Lord, reflecting that love to each person we meet. In Christ we pray. Amen. If I should stand and and sing uh, the first verse of number one, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee.
just a reminder that uh, just in a little bit after the service is over, we'll be having the children's Sunday school program. There'll be refreshments in the Heritage Room. Um, and so and we invite you to stick around and enjoy those as the kids get ready for the for the play uh, or for the, the program. Uh, for those that are able, there are some things up front that need to be moved and rearranged. If you're willing to help out with that, we'd appreciate that. Now, may the Lord of, or the love of May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.